This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Welcome, everybody. It is Ears Up Podcast. We're here today to talk to you about a lot of stuff, um, one of which is the People Mover. Yeah. Uh, the rest of which is probably mostly negative. <laughs> but it's not our fault. It's different for us. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, look, those of you following Disney news uh, closely over the past few weeks, you know there's been some, you know, some issues going on, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to try to be as positive as possible, which today specifically is really hard for me, but in general it's kind of hard, so... Um, you know, bear with us and we're going to be honest. That's what we do on the show. We're honest with our feelings and we're not going to say, oh, well, here's all the reasons why everything is so great and, and, and wonderful because we're just like you. We're fans of Disneyland and, you know, if you uh, get priced out of going to the place that you really like to go to, well, it kind of stinks. So, I don't know, we'll chat about it a little bit and see if we can buck each other's spirits up. <laughs> exactly. What do you think of that? And it's, you know what, dude, doing radio is weird because honestly, I was like, uh, man, I'm not going to bring up the, the price change for a little bit. I, I'm just going to, you know, I'll do that later on in the show. No, right <laughs> out the gate. Right out the gate. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, tuning in. This is going to be a good episode. We're going to talk a uh, history of the people mover. We're going to talk to Jeremy from Spectro Radio, I believe is how that's pronounced. <laughs> and then our uh, close personal friend, Mr. Kyle Sherman, is coming back on the show to talk to us about Star Wars land and what that means for Disneyland uh, crowd, in- crowd index-wise, I feel, would be uh, kind of a cool thing because we've all talked in this room before, especially online. Um, that we all think, oh, well, you know, the crowds are going to be less because there's more room in Disney in, in Star Wars land. And, and I disagree with that because yeah. now there's more square footage. They have more capacity. You have more capacity. Um, but Kyle's anyway, Kyle's going to chime in on that. And then I want to talk to him about what's going on in downtown Disney, um, how he thinks that's going to impact the parks. And uh, the new hotel, and kind of just you know whatever he wants to talk about. Really, Kyle's one of those dudes where he just he he doesn't know <laughs> all of the things that he knows. So you kind of just like it, it just comes out in conversation, and he'll just go off on a tangent, and then come back to something. And it's like, oh, that's I didn't know that you you knew that. Well, neither did I. <laughs> so uh, that'll be really cool. And then we have Disney news. Of course, and then uh, and that's it. Then we're going to record the secret show afterwards. Yeah, it's a long night, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good one. So anyway, yeah. uh, find us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes, please. I'm sure that helps. Uh, we're on TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, we're also airing on SpectroRadio.us. I don't know if you knew that or not. So uh, you can get your your weekly dose of us, or I don't know how often we're on there, but uh, <laughs> we're on there. 
it's a good station. You were just listening to that. If you listen, if you listen live, uh, we play a little Spectro uh, for you before the show. And I realized before the show, I was like, God, every time we tune in, every time we record, it's the same songs over and over again. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And then I realized, well, because. He has it's uh, what, illuminations or whatever at the same time, like on Thursdays or whatever, and it's just it's that's because we're he follows the schedule. He follows the schedule for but certain maybe. things, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense now. But maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he should follow <laughs> our schedule and, and give us a, a special ears up twenty minutes. Maybe or or maybe we should just take it. Yeah, just the This is what we want to hear. Disney trap beats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know people in Russia. I'll, I'll, I'll have them. I'll have them hack. I'll have them hack it in. Um, <laughs> find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Pinterest. Uh, any feedback on the show it goes to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. Any show suggestions <laughs> goes to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com. And you can say hi, hi to Bev. And anything else comes to me. My name is Jason Petros. And my email address is jason at earsup hyphen podcast period com. Period com? Period oh, com. That sounds weird. <laughs> it does sound weird, yeah. doesn't it? Why do you all sound weird? Do you all sound low to you? Yes. Yeah. Right. I'll fix it later. Uh, don't forget <laughs> to check out our blog, um, like our animated classics review. Of course, it's all on earsuppodcast.com. Uh, Kyle Sherman wrote a blog post that I'll probably publish tomorrow, and it's about Terrence's favorite subject, <laughs> Tupac Shakur. No. Um, <laughs> it's about Terrence's favorite subject, the DCA, Disney's California Adventure. Yeah. And uh, Kyle's take on why DCA is the way it is. I'll just okay. tease it. Okay. I'll tease it like I that. I want to read that. We're getting a little, uh, you know, a little opinion piece. I never want to read our, our blog. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Neither do I. I'm working on, I'll start working on one, too. I, 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 we got some information, some cool stuff about, let's tease it, about repetitive things in Disneyland. Yes, that's a good way to say that's it. That's a good way to say it, right? I like that. Right. Oh, my Bay Lake pin fell off. Oh, there's another blog Whatever. post we should write about a um, like an animated classic or something maybe at some point. God, I got to do that, John. Yeah. <laughs> Which one are we even? What are we on? Uh, Fantasia. No. <laughs> no <we're> not. <laughs> Stop it right now. An inappropriate humor. Uh, you can support this show via our Amazon link. Do your Amazon shopping via our link that's on the homepage, of course. Um, you can, you know, don't even worry about reoccurring PayPal donations. Who cares about that? I'm going to actually delete that from my notes because, uh, you know, that's really not the best way. The best way is buying coveyors, number one. Mm-hmm. But the second bestest way is go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ears up, and you can sign up for a reoccurring donation level. And for those levels, you actually get stuff in return. Not only do you get three radio shows a month, um, but you get a gift, a little thing for, for, for helping us out because it really does... Uh, it really does keep the lights on and, and allows us to, to buy more merch to sell and upgrade our our uh, stuff here. I want to get another camera, all this kind of stuff. I need a new computer, blah, 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 <clears throat> you know, like that. Um, support our friends. There's a, a About Us, a Friends of Ears Up page on the homepage. You can go check that out. And we have a lot of people behind us who have helped us out over the years, and we want to help them out too. And uh, check those people out. And of course, don't forget about our brand new show, Sabres and Superpowers, which has their fifth episode released, I think, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where the crew talk about, I believe, Black Panther. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but that is Anthony and his two nerd friends talk about all 
all things Marvel and Star Wars, and they get deep. They get super deep. deep into it, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know much of that stuff, uh, but they're entertaining kids, and they have a good time, and uh, you should check them out as well. Um, before we get to feedback, Taryn, I do want to comment on our show release schedule because I think either I didn't, um, I didn't, it wasn't clear, I guess, or maybe I didn't even announce it at all. But I th- what we're doing now is we're releasing two ears up shows a month. We used to be on an every other week uh, schedule, right? Which nine times out of ten landed us at two shows a month, right? But sometimes just the way the weeks work and in the months, we would have three shows a month, right? But we have to move to two shows a month. It's just it's it's kind of uh, it, just the way our personal schedules are going. You know, uh, Bev and Terrence have kids that are getting older. There's more demands on them. Taryn and I are about to have a child. And it's just too much sauce in yeah. the world. So we had we have to. It, I, I think as it shakes out over you know, averages over the year, I, I don't think the amount of shows is going to recede at all. Right. I don't think you're going to get any less shows. If you do, it might be by one or two. I'm not entirely sure. Right. I haven't done the math because who has time for that? <laughs> I have I have Monster Hunter World to play, but. Um, <laughs> So don't, don't panic, don't worry about it, but just know that two shows a month. So this show is actually going to be the second show for February, even though we're recording in a March, whatever. Right. That was my fault, sorry guys. Nah, That's sorry. all good. So it's still, you know, we'll still have to push stuff around, but uh, just know two ears up shows a month plus the Sabres and Super Shower, Super Shower shows. Super Showers. Super Showers. All right. That's R. Kelly. That sounds point. cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Sabres and Superpowers show. And uh, so you actually have three releases a month, guaranteed, even though this releases. Anyway, um, so we're working on more shows. We're trying to come up with a schedule that works better for us to release content uh, in, in a semi-timely fashion. So hopefully everyone's chill with that. If you're not, I'm, I, I apologize. But I, I really don't think it's going to limit us and how many shows we put out in the at year end. You know what I mean? We'll be down to. Think so? Yeah, no, he well, would be. Oh, okay. If it's every other week, it'd be twenty six, and now it'll be twenty four. But it's not. That's not a big deal. No, I I, yeah. I shouldn't think so. Um, I shouldn't think so either. And hey, if you want more of us, join uh, the Patreon. And at who the doesn't? Dollar, right, honestly, right at the five dollar <laughs> limit or five dollar amount, you get the secret show where you get a drink recipe and get to hear us say words. <laughs> we definitely we, say words. We definitely one, say yeah. words. We talk. Uh, we talk about um, Compton sometimes. Yes, we do. We talk about uh, we do Disney news, but it's Disney news that I don't like to bring up on this show. Right. It's controversial Disney. It's news. controversial Disney news. Uh, anyway, it's it's a good time. It's, it's a, a hoot. controversial show. We talk about controversial things. It's a hoot over there. Maybe I would. Maybe I should publish one nope. secret show for free. Nope. No, no, no. On on the Patreon page. So you actually have to just go to the Patreon page and then you see it and you can download it and ah, it's access okay. to everybody. Okay. So they get a, um, or maybe take a snippet. <laughs> How about you take it the yeah. four-hour snippet of us of our rant about the Illuminati? Because <laughs> that was a fun show. Oh, no, that was a that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. That was a thing. Got that this was... thing on me. All right, Taryn, let's do some feedback, eh? You right? Coming. All right. Having some sound issues. Technical difficulties. Yeah, that crackling. Uh, Jeremy was talking about. I guess he wasn't lying. Oh. <laughs> 
Thought he is was, it better now, though? I thought he was an idiot. But. It's. I turned it down so you can't hear it as much, but it didn't fix the crackling. Hmm. So, but anyway, okay. I will go on. Um, feedback. Uh, the first one is from James. Uh, thank you for an awesome show. I have a question. Normally, when I visit with my family, we stay on site and are able to park the rental cars on site at the hotel. We're going to Cal. Cali for a trip this March, but I will be staying in San Diego instead of Disneyland. Uh, we're looking at coming up for a day. Where is the blessed? Where is the best place to park uh, for the Disneyland? I'm not so worried about the price. More in the location closest to the park. Thanks, James. So you're coming from San Diego for a day. For a day, just pay. You got to pay yeah, parking. You're going to have to pay the parking. The garage, yeah. There's uh, there's the not going to be a closer spot. I actually don't even think there is another place. I don't to think park. so either. It's, I think you're just you're kind of that's. I what mean, it, yeah, it's all lots. Unless, but. You, unless you park in downtown Disney and just pay through but the they, nose. You, yeah, no, they upped a, that. Well, it's expensive. Only, I know. Not only more. that, but there's a time there's a time frame that you have to you can't park there all day anymore. And so if you are pl- planning on staying, I think it's longer than what six hours or something, something like that. Like that. I parked there park. for six hours, mm-hmm. and it was. It was expensive. It was like forty six dollars. I'll yeah. just go to the structure. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just 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 pay the Disney parking. I mean, it's like fifteen or sixteen bucks or whatever. Even if it's twenty yeah. bucks, it's going to be cheaper than downtown Disney, which is bucks. that's what they want. They want you to park at the structure. They don't want you to park at the downtown Disney yeah, okay. if you're going to be there for a long time. Yeah, they want high so, turnover and those uh, yeah. those spaces there. So yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know our professional recommendation. <laughs> yes. Uh, this next one is from Melissa. <clears throat> Hi, all. I've been listening to you all since 2014. Wow. Holy moly, wow. she says. Uh, when a Reddit- she can't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. When a Redditor posted about your podcast on the Disneyland subreddit, which is kind of cool in and of itself. Oh. Mazel. <laughs> Mazel. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I believe there were only five or six episodes available. When I first started listening, my husband, then boyfriend, and I were annual pass holders and ended up getting him hooked on, the, on listening as well. Ears Up was the only thing we listened to in the car when we would take our weekly weekend trips to the park. Since then, he and I have listened to every episode. I even try to catch the episodes live because interacting with you all is half the fun of listening to the episode, which is awesome. That's so sweet. Uh, This is a little late, but I wanted to let you all know how much fun we had at the 100th show. Ooh. It's never too late to praise the 100th show. I'm (laughs) just going to be honest. That's true. Uh it was really wonderful to meet you all in person, and I was so sad that we weren't able to meet up in the parks and talk more. I had recently found out that we were expecting baby Oberg, uh, which is a boy, by the way, due yes. in July. Baby Conrad. Congratulations. Oh, my god. Strong goodness. name. Come on. No, stop it. Terrence, someone, someone do it, all right? It's, 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 you didn't even do it. Right. It's yeah. a strong Conrad, then, and I had a girl. It's a strong name, but not strong enough to name his two boys Conrad. <laughs> I wasn't called Conrad, then. You didn't call yourself Conrad. To no. be fair, nobody calls you Conrad except well, Starbucks employees. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Right. That is Anybody point. who has a reservation. Right. right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so she was, she was expecting and she was feeling under the weather and so we decided begrudgingly to head home. Oh. While we were talking to Terrence at the live show, he mentioned that you, uh, that you had all known each other before you started the podcast and I was curious as to how you all met. I don't believe you've ever talked about that on the show, but I could be wrong. I'm excited to see how the show evolves once baby Petros is here, and I'm interested to see how Jason's attitude about the park changes. I hate it. <laughs> Personally, I can already tell that I will probably be more sympathetic to parents with strollers. Yeah. I hope you ha- you're hanging in there, Taryn. Thank you. Uh, any tips or 
Mama advice you can send my way is greatly appreciated. Uh, anyways, thanks for everything. All you, uh, thanks for everything you all do to keep the show up and running. And I can't wait to get a beer with you all next time you're in the parks. I really want a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I would even settle on drinking Ballast Point. Oh, geez. Look at you. (laughs) See you in the parks, Melissa. All right. How did we meet? Well, the truncated version, because, yeah. you know, we've already been at it for 15 minutes, which is the length <laughs> of our show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure it is. How did, just on, uh, we, so Taryn, uh, t- uh, Terrence and I Beverly, go to church together. We've known each other for a long time. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So, uh, oddly enough, I wasn't focusing on how you guys met. Oh. But it was really just me. No, I know. I'm, I'm just saying like, uh, oddly enough that I'm only thinking about how I met you guys <laughs> and how you met me, not right. how you met each other because yeah. it's not about me. <laughs> well, that, right. No. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just were, we uh friends with uh, people on a beer podcast, uh, which is where I come from. And then that's how I met uh, uh, Beverly and Terrence, and then Taryn I met at a beer, at a beer because fest. of the podcast as well. because of the podcast, and yeah. we met Terrence or Taryn through Jason. Yeah, Jason and I worked together on that same. So it's all about beer. It's all, about it's beer. all through beer. It always is. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so uh, that's the the slightly less boring version than the actual version. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's it. That is it. Okay, perfect. Let's get our favorite person on the phone here. You can't say that because we have two different people on the phone tonight. Yeah. Let's get our favorite person on the phone here. (laughs) Yes. Are you all right? Yeah, I was just going to give a shout out. I I ran into um, a listener at my local Safeway, (laughs) which was so funny and like surprising. I had no idea, but it was really cool. Her name was Shay, so I just wanted to say hi, Shay. Mm -hmm. Hi. I remembered your name. That's cool. <laughs> As we unravel the magic behind some of listening. Disney's most beloved pieces of music, it's Spectro Time. This magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a Of course, I haven't figured out how to do this at the same time, so we'll just bring him on and be really awkward about it. <clears throat> I'd rather listen to his uh, theme song than the the Google Hangout dial tone. Jeremy, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys? So you saying there was a Hi. there was a crackle? Hey, I'm not the only one, okay? Because we all well, everyone played it on their laptops, you know, before the Johns, and I didn't hear a single crackle. Everyone told me it was fine. Yeah, I don't hear. I actually don't hear it now that we're on Hangouts. But when I was on uh, YouTube earlier, huh. I could hear it, but. It got better, actually, I think, once Taryn was working on it. All right. Well, that's good to know. Good job, Taryn. That is Taryn. good to know. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to fix the crap. It's I fixed. Said, I said good job. Oh, it is? I guess. According to Jeremy. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, how's it going, Jeremy? What as are we going to talk As long as it's okay on your recorder, it'll be fine yeah. for the YouTube, right? Uh, sure, man. What yeah. are we uh, talking today about today? We are going to get out of Disneyland because I feel like I've been in Disneyland for a while. We're going to Florida. We're going to talk about the music of Epcot's Fountain of Nations. Oh, I like me some Epcot, man. Yeah, Epcot is great. It really is. It really and is. I have a lot of, if you follow me on any sort of social media, you know that I have a lot of uh, pa- passionate opinions about Epcot. So <laughs> That um, doesn't shock me at all. You have a passionate opinions about everything. Box yes. wine. <laughs> Telephone, which I'm drinking tonight. I'm back on the box wine bandwagon. Oh, Mazel! Did you go out and get the uh, ingredients for the secret show drink? Uh, sure. Oh, man. <laughs> 
there was like the longest list of ingredients, and I didn't know what half of them were. Spend like sixty dollars yeah. on. Yeah, never drink like, again. Is, this, I, I don't know why. I don't know why Terrence is surprised. The kid drinks wine from a box. Right. Okay. <laughs> why? It's not. I mean, what? Some boxed wine is actually try quite to class good. Them up. Just try to class them up. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Jeremy, go I ahead. I went and let's to the liquor store and asked judgy. for box tequila, and they didn't have it. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, said, I'm sticking with the. I'm. St- I tried to get Franzia tonight, but Franzia. they didn't have it. So I'm on black box. Oh. Ooh. There Black box go. is good. This is quite nice. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, okay, let's get in some music here, Jim. All right. Did you play my intro already and I didn't hear it? I did. I can play it again, though. You okay, good. It? No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, continue, please. So for those of you who have not been to Epcot, the Fountain of Nations is a large-tiered, oval-shaped fountain that sits between the, fo- the future world and world showcase sections Jeremy, of the park. Jeremy, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. I was messing with you. You didn't hear me play. Oh, you didn't hear me play over your voice. And so I, I, I basically played the music over what you were saying. So if you could please start over. Sorry. Uh, I, won't, I won't mess with you. Ay vey. Okay. Well, I think I actually think you might have heard what I said, but I'll start again. The Fountain of Nations is a large tiered <laughs> oval shaped fountain that sits between the future world and world showcase sections of the park. And I'm talking about Epcot and has been there since opening day in 1982. On October 24th of that year, 25 bodies of water representing 29 nations were poured into the fountain during the International Ceremony of the Water's Dedication. Card Walker, the then CEO of Walt Disney Productions, said in his dedication speech, quote, joining us around this magnificent fountain are representatives of nations from around the world. They have brought with them waters from the great oceans, the seas, the rivers and the lakes of our planet, Spaceship Earth. These waters flow together as a symbol of the oneness of humankind and the hope for peace among nations, making this truly a fountain of world friendship. Which I think is nice. It is nice. Uh, so very similar to the kind of the small world opening where they poured in water from all over the yeah, world. Yeah, they have a thing with uh, shared water and bacteria. Do you think they were like scanned for bacteria? Or here's, you no, know, no. cholera. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Undrinkable water from Africa. What country does this cholera water represent, I wonder? <laughs> uh, anything out of North America. No, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Please. Wow. Okay, so the fountain basically was there for 11 years. Didn't really do anything except, you know, do what a fountain does. Water came down. It was nice. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. It was nice. <laughs> well, 1993 came along. 1993 was notable in the world of Disney for a few reasons. The first is that 1993 was the last and final year that Epcot Center was known as Epcot Center. In 1994, Epcot's name was changed to Epcot 94. Why? And then in 1995, they changed it to Epcot 95. And then after that, they just kind of called it Epcot. Why? That's probably a good move. Why would they do that? (sighs) Well, from what I understand... They so by the way, my first trip was in '93, and they were like changing all the signage to '94. And back then, I knew it was stupid. 
It's like, what? why are they doing this? So stupid. So you I'm remember 13. what year it is. Duh. <laughs> well, so what they were, the, uh, what I read, and I haven't confirmed this, but according to a couple of places I saw this, is that they were ge- gearing up for the millennium. And so it was kind of like a count up. <laughs> that's, so like, that's even worse. <laughs> Epcot 99, Epcot 2000. But they wow, started so. it at 93. It's terrible. Yeah. Or they were just all hopped up on like Windows 95 and they just decided (laughs) to go along with that. That's a good point. (laughs) But there was something else going on in the the year 1993 in the Disney world. And do any of you guys know what that might be? Lion King? I bet we're supposed to. (laughs) I think Lion King actually might have been that year. I don't know. This is a little obscure. Tokyo Disneyland celebrated its 10th anniversary in 1993. That's a lot obscure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is important to our fountain story tonight because for this anniversary, they launched a new daytime castle stage show called It's Magical with its theme. Join in. Number one. Every single second of that. <laughs> well, good, and remember it. I will forever, <laughs> forever. So the story for it's magical is pretty standard Disney fair. It's in front of the castle. Everyone's happy, and there's and the 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 premise is kind of that they're celebrating color. Okay, they're happy that there's that color exists. <laughs> there's color in the world. I like fuchsia. I like orange. <laughs> Let's sing a song. About it. <laughs> Until, of course, someone bad shows up, in this case, Maleficent, to ruin their good time, and she takes their color away. Number two. That whole thing sounded more like Sesame Street. (laughs) Can you imagine if, like, you're an evil person, like an evil mastermind, and the thing you take away is everyone's colors? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm always going to look good in pictures. Great. Thanks. (laughs) Well, it's kind of neat. The way they did it, uh, I was watching the video. They have these, their costumes are all different colors and they, they fold over themselves in such a way that when she takes away the color, they can quickly fold their costumes and suddenly the color goes away and they all look very monochromatic. So it was actually kind of neat how they designed them. Um, so suddenly the color goes away. This is kind of cool. Although there's just no point in taking away color. I don't get it, but they did it well. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. I can still breathe and watch TV. I love it. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Mickey saves color by dispatching Maleficent. And he does this kind of, it's very similar to Fantasmic. So Maleficent turns into a dragon. This big mechanical dragon rises up. Mickey pulls out a sword, points it at her, fireworks shoot from it, and she folds back up and goes away. Number three. that breakdown at the end mm-hmm. that was the best part so keep that music tattooed to your brain you're gonna need it all right back over in orlando they're gearing up for epcot 94 and a new show was conceived for the fountain of nations requiring a major refurbishment this refurbishment added a stage 304 nozzles and water shooters that can send water 150 feet high in the air and a coordinated water and light show well nozzle. this new <laughs> Hmm? Well, nozzle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, nozzle. nozzle. That is so good. This, this show would be called Splashtacular, number four. Yes, it would. Number four. Oh, God. Number four. Sorry. Here we go. It's liquid magic And it's better than any bell Join in, join in Watch in the fountain Join in Sound familiar. Sound familiar. I was going to say, sound familiar? Yeah. So this show basically lifts Tokyo's stage show almost in its entirety, with a notable exception in the middle, because Maleficent is no longer the villain at Epcot. That wouldn't make sense. And these things have to make sense. Instead, a nefarious alien sorceress whose home... (laughs) whose home planet has been robbed of its color, comes <laughs> to Epcot what? to steal their color. Oh. Are you with me? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what it was? What? what were they smoking back then? It kind of sounds like a Captain EO, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we are here to save the color. Gonna save the color. Wow. Uh, so in order to ward off Mickey's future world guard and steal their color... Because she can't do it herself. No. She creates an alien monster called the Terror Saw X, which is a large skeleton-like thing with a dinosaur head, exposed metal ribs, and the ability to shoot fireworks from its chest before it's ultimately tucked back away behind the bushes next to interventions from whence it came. Take a listen, (laughs) number five. (laughs) Who are you? None of you. Yeah. 
get over the whole color thing. Like, I mean, come on. I'm here to take your colors. Cool. Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> there's they, more. Just go, just take them. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got a box. It's Can fine. I keep purple? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, I feel like what else are they going to do? They need to have a villain. What are you going to do without like I'm going to steal your parents or all your food or your dog? I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I feel a little bit too dark for Disney. <laughs> right. I, I just love that the most devastating result imaginable from an intergalactic war. <laughs> That a country is left robbed of all of its color. It's like water, food, air, land. No, that's all fine. We just don't have any color. <laughs> I also love the shout out like, who are you? None of your business. <laughs> they, couldn't even, they were like, well, we're not telling. We can't figure out a name. Like, just say none of your business. No Everything we came there. up with was stupid, yeah. including this whole idea. <laughs> It's so great. Business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't take long for Mickey to well because the plot goes on, so it doesn't take long for Mickey to figure out that he must defeat this evil alien and her half dinosaur, half crane henchman, which she created. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) he gets the job done. Number six. There we go. That's my boy. Quick, Minnie, give me the exterminator. how this this thing from another world wants to take everyone's color so mickey kills it (laughs) (laughs) that's the answer not hey bro go away or here's an anti-color stealer device no you're gonna die here's your exterminator and now you're dead never steal my color ever what was what was the exterminator exactly it was like a. It was like a. it wasn't a sword i think it was like a want like a kind some sort of like scepter um, Terrence I wants a, a I would have thought that the if just from hearing you, what did she hand him? Like the Orkin Man? <laughs> That's actually literally exactly what I said. No, oh. like the Orkin Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. Oh well, you don't listen when I talk. It's fine. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you'll be shocked by this, but Splash Tacky didn't last very long. Weird. Okay. Only a few months into Epcot '94, in fact. Uh, Epcot spokeswoman Pam Brandon said in a statement to the Orlando Sentinel that the theme of the Splashtacular is not appropriate for interventions. Big surprise. And Splashtacular was closed soon thereafter. But that's not where the story ends for the Fountain of Nations, because it was still equipped with a lot of new fountain technology. So it took three months to program seven songs that would make up the fountain's uh, water ballet that would perform randomly every 15 minutes. At night, the dancing waters are even illuminated by 1,068 colorful lights. Disney drew on several different resources for the song selections that make up the fountain's water ballets. The first three pieces of audio came from the early 1990s Disney features, The Rocketeer, The Rescuers Down Under, and Iron Will. The music used from the Rescuer soundtrack is the end credits track and was composed by Bruce Broughton. Bruce Broughton, also famous to Disney fans for having composed the audio to the 2008 version of Spaceship Earth, as well as having adapted the theme for the updated Soarin' Around the World attraction, number seven. 
If his personal website isn't, it's already been broughten. <laughs> <laughs> Composer Joel McNeely provides us with our next track, the main theme from Disney's 1994 movie, Iron Will. McNeely is also no stranger to Disney, having composed the soundtracks to Milan 2, Return to Neverland, and also the Disneyland Paris 20th anniversary spectacular, Disney Dreams, which you were listening to just before the show started. Here's McNeely's piece used in The Fountain, number eight. I want him to come to The Fountain and bend the McNeely. (laughs) What? Game of Thrones reference the the, the knee but the knee never mind stupid that was a good piece I like that it was very nice. <laughs> we finish up the soundtracks portion of the pieces with James Horner's track "The Flying Circus" from the movie "The Rocketeer" number nine. Oh, I love that movie. They're gonna bring. They're bringing the Rocketeer back, really, as like for yeah. an animation thing, but with a female lead. Yeah, huh. and as a TV show, right? Yeah, I think so. Like an animated John. Interesting. Well, so that finishes up the soundtracks pieces of the music, but for the next two pieces, Disney went New Age. Um, the first of these two new tracks is the inspiring piece Day One, written by New Age instrumental composer and '80s TV personality. John Tesh, number 10. I love New Age music. It's so great. So (laughs) awful. I loved every second. Perfect. You're going to hear some more. For the second of the two New Age tracks that make up the Fountain Show, we look no further than venerable New Age instrumental composer, Greek-born Yanni, and his track, Acroyali Standing in Motion, from his highly acclaimed 1994 album, Yanni, Live at the Acropolis. Now, this track is not only famous for having been on Yanni's quadruple platinum Acropolis album, but was also determined by the Royal Society of Medicine to have the Mozart effect, which is a set of research results indicating that listening to Mozart's music may induce a short-term improvement on the performance of certain kinds of mental tasks known as spatial temporal reasoning. So don't be surprised if, Jason, you're feeling even smarter after you hear number 11.
spatial awareness is now highly, highly tuned. <laughs> you know, it's funny about uh, but you said the, the Mozart effect. You know all those baby genius... Um, oddly enough, here's a Disney tie-in. You know that Baby Genius um, company? You heard about no. that, Jeremy? Where it's like uh, Baby Einstein. Baby Einstein. There. You oh go. yeah. Where it's uh, oh that I've heard of. <laughs> um, where they say if you if you play uh, Mozart, certain Mozart pieces in, to your baby in utero, um, it you like remap the neural pathways or whatever, and you make the the kid smarter. It's based on that Mozart effect study that was done in Wisconsin, um, and it's total not true. <laughs> just, just to let everybody know. But Disney bought that company in 2001 for like a billion dollars or whatever. It was. Oh, wow. So Disney wow. owns the baby genius and the little Einstein thing and all that kind of stuff, and it's like based on this study about college kids, and it doesn't like permanently change anything. It's just some of these kids could do a spatial awareness test for 15 minutes or so after listening to Mozart, and that's it. But it doesn't have like any sort of long-term effects no. for like a baby. Yeah, just so you know. Everyone relax. Go ahead, <laughs> Jeremy, please. I'm a, pr- I'm a parental expert. I'm a parenting expert. I don't know if you know. I'm reading a book on it. <laughs> well, that'll make you a genius right there. Thank you. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Don't feed the next that. piece we're going to talk about is a track from a show that belonged to an Epcot show that never actually ended up being produced. The show was originally intended to be for the area near the Fallons. Sadly, we don't know who the composer for this track was, but happily, though its original show never happened, it lives on for our enjoyment at the Fountain of Nations. This is Mickey's finale, number 12. That's a good finale. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Finally, for the last of the original seven tracks that make up the Fountain Show, we have a track by the charismatic, the daring, the intellectual, <laughs> well-bred, courteous, witty. Well-bred. <laughs> Svelte. John Debney. John Debney. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness. The track Air Battle was from a daytime show scored by Debney that took place over World's Epcot's World Showcase in 1991 called Surprise in the Skies, number 13. That was good. It sounded well-bred. <laughs> <laughs> that came from good stock. And courteous. I'm, it's so nice to bring Debney back into the fold. It's been a little while. It has been a while. I was happy to see that he wrote that. Um, so those were the original seven, but more recently, Disney has added another song to the rotation called Celebrate the Future Hand in Hand. This piece served as the anthem to the resort's 2000 Millennium Celebration and was composed by Cheryl Berman and Ira and Tellis. Number 14. Hand in hand. 
There's one more place to hear great, great music at Epcot's Fountain, and that was at the neighboring Fountain View Ice Cream Parlor. Um, which is now a Starbucks, even though it's still called Fart- F- Fountain View. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> the Fountain View. Oh. Uh, right. Not to be confused. <laughs> Although the coffee may have an effect. Um, So the, 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 the loop's gone. But the music for this loop drew heavily on 1980s New Age music for you, Jason. Yes. From artists such as Checkfield, David Benoit, and Patrick O'Hearn. Take a listen, number 15. So that was To Be by Montreux, David Lands and Paul Spears Behind the Waterfall, and Checkfield's Africa. But there's one artist with more tracks sampled in this loop than any other. And that is our dear friend, the revered, the respected, the venerable, Yanni. Ah. Number 16. the beginning of uh, that Revenge of the Nerds. This is Wicked That Bernie's. good that yanni so, that yanni he's prolific and he's everywhere it's true the fountain's design is owing to a guy by the name of mark fuller a civil engineer working for disney in the 1980s who later went on to start a company called wet design if you aren't familiar with wet design's other work look no further than the famous dazzling aquatic display in las vegas at the fountains of bellagio and that is the music of the fountain of nations very nice. good, young man. Thank you very that was much, awesome. Jeremy. And Thank can, you. It was great. I had fun doing this one. Can I tell you? I, I, I looked up John Debney for the first time. Uh-huh. He's a good-looking man. He's a man. handsome man. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You, you weren't lying. Yeah. He's felt. I actually... So I didn't... I don't know. I didn't know what he looked like. Um, I was just picking adjectives. <laughs> and in, an, in another... Spectre Time segment. I think you and um, Bev weren't on, and the good old days. The guys googled him and, ah. and 
Terrence said he was not svelte, but Jason thought that he was. Got he was it. There was a bit of a heated discussion about it. Well, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, hung up on that kind of stuff, man. I, you know, I, I call it like I see it, but Terrence has a, a, I don't know where I'm going with that. I think he's a decent <laughs> guy, but for a 61-year-old guy, he's a he good-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's fine. What a mazel to him, I say. Yes. Or no. nozzle. You or know, nozzle. We've, we've reached <laughs> out to interview him. And what happened with that, Terry? It's What's funny that you say that because when you said John Debney, I went back into my email and emailed um, his assistant again and said, we need to talk. Especially since I <laughs> see that he, talk. he um, did the score for Little Giants and House Guest staring Sinbad. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's why we need to talk to him. Yes. Let's not bring him in. Let's not. Uh... I feel like that might be the reason we don't talk to him. Right. <laughs> yeah, in my favorite early 90s show, Sequest DSV. Nice. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Get out of town. You, you get Which better and better. Which was filmed in part at Epcot, so there's a little hook in there. Well, there you go. All right, Jeremy, we're going to let you go, and then we're going to get uh, Kyle on here and talk to him uh, before it gets too late for everybody. Sounds good. Thanks, my friend. Bye, Jeremy. All right, have a good night. Bye, dude. Bye. I always like this. Segments are a good time. Yeah. He's really good at them, too. I was, I was thinking about it. Um, I assume he writes them out, and he's such a better reader than I am. It's like, wow, he does such a good job. He doesn't skip over words. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> hey, we can't all be svelte and stunning or it's whatever true. it is. <laughs> so uh, before we get to Terrence's segment, because it is getting a little later, um, we're going, wait, why invite? Yeah, let's go. Come on. I'm calling. There we go. Um, we're going to get Kyle on the line here, and we're going to talk about Star Wars land. What's going on with Star Wars land? What's going on with downtown Disney? How this is going to affect the parks and uh, all the kind of stuff that uh, is implicated here? Because, look, man, Disney is doing some things, and uh, we're going to try to see if we can guess at what they're doing and how they're going to be treating guests. And is this going to be any sort of uh, any sort of reduction in the uh, in, in, in the guests or whatever? Kyle, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing, man? Not bad. How are you doing? Perfect. You have your video camera on. Um, you can turn that off if you want. Hi. Hi, Kyle. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, I think it'll it'll make the sound a little bit better. Um, so thanks for joining us, man. Sorry we're getting to you a little bit later than I uh, had originally told you, but uh, I'm a liar. Ah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> so, you always lie to me. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I do that. Uh, so we were chatting the other day online about uh, Star Wars land, and there's uh, kind of a lot of talk about how the park is going to be dealing with Star Wars land it, with regards to um, the patrons, uh, the guests. Are they going to segment the people going into Star Wars land? Is it going to be a whole different tier of Fast Pass? Um, and you had some strong opinions on on all of that, so I thought I, I, I'd get you on the phone here, and um, and we could talk about it. That sounds good to me. I mean, where do you want to start? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I knew that you would say something like that. Well, let's let, let's start with the things that we've talked about in the studio here. Um, we've heard a lot that people say, that, oh, Star Wars Land is going to be a crowd relief zone. So it will instantly make the park lighter in crowd because most of the people are going into, into Star Wars Land. But I think that that's incorrect because if you have a wider footprint, that means you can let more people in uh, to the park. And w- when is when is there ever going to be a low crowd day once once that thing opens? 
let's start there. What do you think? Well, for you know, first off, I mean, Star Wars Land is all additional land. So because of that, it's definitely going to increase the park capacity, and it's going to increase the park capacity by a lot because we're adding two attractions that are both sizable and a ton of walking space. Um, that being said, though, like you said, the draw is massive. I mean, people are going to be coming from everywhere to go visit this park, and especially at first before Disney World gets theirs open. Um, and because of that, you know, the, 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 the demand is going to be so crazy that it probably is going to draw just as many guests as it can hold. So I think at the end, we're really going to see a wash. Like maybe at first the parks will be a little bit busier, but I don't think it's going to be so blown out of proportion as people are making it sound that Disney's going and adding all these extra experiences just to quote unquote absorb crowds. And that's kind of my big stickler point on all this. You think that uh, uh, that they're building these attractions just to absorb crowds? No, I don't. You don't. I think right. that that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what people are. That's what people are saying. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, people don't people don't think about you know how business processes are done. I mean, people, you know, Disney Parks plans out the resorts fifteen years in advance. There's a fifteen year plan for pretty much everything that goes into the park. And because of that, they take the time to do estimates and logistics to figure out how many guests they're going to get, what type of draw there's, there's going to be. There's been studies that have been done even before they put in Star Wars Land to determine what the draw of Star Wars Land would be. So they've been well set up this whole time to make sure that they have the capacity at the end of the day. So, so 15 years ago, well, and, and we had talked about it a little bit before, but uh, so the 15 years ago, they were planning on Star Wars land. Um, some rumors were that it was going to be in Tomorrowland and they kind of got a gut autopia and all that kind of nonsense. But they knew that the, that, that would draw a lot of people. Uh, do they also plan out price increases that far too, like to coincide with these things or not? Not that far, but I mean, they, they do plan uh, those in advance. I mean, Disney looks at their logistics uh, pretty much daily. Uh, price increases come annually, I would say, at, you know, but uh, they, they definitely have been changing things in anticipation of Star Wars Land. But this thought that these prices are being gouged because of Star Wars Land is absolutely ridiculous. You know, we might be seeing a little bit of that on the annual pass holder sign, but if you look at these price uh, increases that were done this last year, we're looking at two to three percent increase, which is equivalent. And not talking about passes again, talking tickets, which is equivalent to the price increase that you'd see due to inflation. So, saying that Disney's raising prices because of Star Wars Land is far fetched. I mean, the value that's coming that they're asking from you is the same value they're asking to, from you a year before. So then what is your take on, on what they're doing to the annual passes? Or why are why do you think they're doing that? I think they're trying to decrease. So they have, a, they have an issue right now, and that's that the parks are crowded. And they probably are more crowded than they actually want. And uh, when I say that they're more crowded than they want, they're probably more crowded with people who don't spend a lot. You know, they like guests that spend a lot. And, uh, you know, because of that, you know, earlier in the, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, Disney dropped one of their mid-tier passes. And dropping a mid-tier pass suggests that uh, they're looking at lower-tier passes and upper-tier passes exclusively and trying to get rid of annual pass holders because simply the val- there's too many. 
Um, you know, Disney has become more and more affordable as the tickets go up. The passes have become more and more affordable. You have now monthly payment plans, which are still pretty new. Um, and I think there's a lot more, you know, pass holders these days. And I think they got more than they actually asked for. So, okay. I think that, that's that just sense. literally the response. I don't, I don't think it's Star Wars land. Some people do, but you know, if it, if it was Star Wars land, we'd be seeing things like, uh, you know, single park days and stuff like that. And, you know, some people have anticipated that you'll see California Adventure only days on annual passes, but I think that they'll avoid doing things like that because they'll complicate uh, the annual pass holder program. And Disneyland doesn't want to complicate the annual pass holder program at all because it will basically lead to customer dissatisfaction. Mm. They don't like doing that. <laughs> well, guess what? They did. <laughs> um, do, you, do you ever see a time when they would pull the annual pass program because it's not necessarily needed at this point? I mean, if if the, if the goal is to price people out of going to the park – uh, to a certain extent, then why have the annual pass program to begin with? Uh, personally, I think that the annual pass program is outdated. I mean, the fact that you're buying admission every day to the park uh, when you don't necessarily are going, you know, most people don't go every day is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think an annual pass program should work more like baseball seats where you're guaranteed one or, you know, tickets every month type of thing. Uh, I would do out ticket allocations over an annual pass program if I was Disney and they were trying to price people out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's annual passes are weird, but, uh, you know, seeing the past years change and stuff like that is mainly just keeping track with even what universal has done because of Hollywood and stuff like that. What do you mean? Just, uh, uh, uh Harry Potter, the Harry Potter effect. Yeah, the Harry Potter effect. I mean, and we're going to see that here with Star Wars too, but, uh, you know, and that's kind of probably why they've, you know, upped the upper tier passes. But the big sign is parking. As long as parking's still available, they're mm -hmm. still very receptive to the annual pass holder program, and they still like their pass holders. Once they remove parking, then you know that, uh, that the annual pass holder program isn't, isn't going to be there for too much longer. Oh, really? That's the, uh, that's the linchpin, huh? I would say so. And I, I mean, you Red saw flag. one of the parks right after the 50th, uh, you know, you saw the parks got a lot busier. And in my opinion, they've been pretty busy ever since the 50th. And uh, at that time, they removed parking from a lot of the lower tier passes and as well as a payment option. And parking hasn't been really available ever since. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's benefits like that. See, they, they don't mind people buying passes because a lot of people buy passes and they don't end up going which is great for them. Yeah. What they care about is people who buy passes and go all the time. And they want to try and, you know, make annual pass holders not want to go as often <laughs> at that point. And they're going to try and do that before they try and eliminate the program. And, and trying to get rid of that is eliminating things like prepaid parking and stuff like that. Do you, you think, know, max pass. Do you think that they would eliminate the payment plan? Because, I mean, honestly, if they didn't have that, I wouldn't have ever had an oh, annual pass. Yeah, me totally. either. Me either. Um, you know, that's a, that's a weird question and without, and I really, and that kind of comes down to affordability and what their target audience is. Uh -huh. Um, I think for now the payment plan is definitely here to stay. Um, I would think they would actually get rid of tiers of passes before they get rid of payment plans again. Uh, so, so pricing wise, um, people who pay a lot for annual passes and people who pay a little for annual passes are usually the people who buy food in the park. 
they're usually the people who show up, stay a whole day, buy food in the park, or show up, have a nice dinner type thing. It's the middle tier passes that actually don't spend as much and come pretty often. Those are usually the people who uh, are more conscious on, on their spending and stuff like that. So they'll probably get rid of those first hmm. um, and then start to move away from things like uh, monthly payment plans and stuff like that. Hmm. If they were trying to get rid of the passes, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think they're doing. <laughs> uh, you know that uh, we read it on, on, on the last show, I think it was, um, the announcement that Ballast Point – uh, or Constellation Brands, and the uh, uh, Mexican uh, beer conglomerate, beer and wine conglomerate, um, is opening a tap room in downtown Disney. And in that article, the the president or CEO or whatever of uh, Ballast Point Constellation Brands said that Disney told them that 50% of visitors to the park in any given day are locals. Does that, does that ring true to you? That number is probably much higher than that, honestly. Really? Uh, you got to define locals. But, yeah, um, I mean, if, if not, that Southern, means that their tourism's picked up a lot since Carsland opened. <laughs> because I know that in 2011 or so, that number was much, much higher. Hmm. Locals doesn't necessarily mean annual pass holders. No. You know? No, it, no. It means ticket to guests, too. Yeah, but I, I, I would imagine that if you're local – uh, in this in the Southern California region, and you go often enough, you're going to have an annual pass. I mean, I, well, I mean, let's say you live in the middle of the country, right? And you're going to pick a park to go to. Yeah. You're going to go to Disneyland, or you're going to go to Disney World. They cost pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. And airfare is the same, and everything else. Why not go to the one with four instead of the one with two? You right. know. Um, and I think a lot of people think that way. And I think you get people even as far out as, or as close as Nevada thinking that way. More often than not. Yeah, but I wouldn't call so, them locals, though. No, I wouldn't like, call them locals. Yeah, either. yeah. No, I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking SoCal. You SoCal people, um, because so it sounds like the Southern California people are ruining Disneyland for the entire world. <laughs> That's what I'm realizing right now. Because if you're going all the time, uh, I mean, everybody who I, always says like, "Oh, I've been 12 days in a row," is a Southern California resident. Yeah, I mean, I. I'd say that's true, honestly. I'd say that uh, the park is mainly so Southern California residents, and I bet if you yelled out how many people are from Southern California in a crowd at any point, most people would respond, "I am." Um, <laughs> you know, and if you look at if you look at how Disney, I'm, you know, you said you're going to post my article soon, but uh, if you look at how Disney is uh, actually upgrading these parks these days, you can tell it's actually more tiered towards locals. You know, they spend a lot more money on changing entertainment shows and temporary attractions these days than they do putting in brand new experiences. Uh, you know, you see things like the food festival that they're about to do and uh, things like the Mad Tea Party and stuff like that that really are stuff that drive local crowds a lot more than they drive people from out of town. But- Nobody comes to the park from the Midwest to go see the Matt tea party. Uh, I don't know. I I think there's a few people online that would fight you over that. I mean, (laughs) doesn't that seem counterintuitive though? I mean, if you want to reduce the the crowd flow, why not reduce, why not restrict how often uh, people from Southern California can, can come that way you don't end up ticking off the majority of your, of your people, the majority of your fans. Well, you're making an assumption. You're making an assumption that Disneyland isn't targeted to, towards locals. You know, Disneyland probably, I mean, a big part of Disneyland's 
guest crowd ever since day one has been locals. So, you know, Disney actually does target them. Uh, often, downtown Disney was targeted towards locals, not to, towards hotel guests. Uh, look at the makeup of that. It, you know, it's, it's got a lot of things for local guests. Um, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I am assuming that because I feel like why do you why does Disneyland have to advertise? Why do they have to target anybody? I mean, I feel like they're one of the few destinations that you don't really need to and everyone's going there anyway. Well, you still need to advertise. I mean, they, they definitely draw people in with advertisements, and that includes locals. The SoCal Fun Pass is a great example of that. They pay – you get uh, locals that don't normally go, and they end up spending – just as much on admission as anyone else would for one park in one day, and they end up buying twice the amount of food, twice the amount of merchandise, and twice the amount of churros. You know, they make a lot of more money off of that. Okay, well, whatever. Um, let's talk about downtown Disney and all the changes that are coming uh, to downtown Disney. What do you What do you think about? Well, I I don't know. Maybe you already answered that, right? Because the um, the you just said that the draw there is not to get the out of towners. It's not hotel guests, but half well, the downtown Disney is going to be a hotel. They're shifting it now. You know, they they traditionally they were trying to get locals, but now they're actually going to really try and shift it to hotel guests because they're sticking a hotel right smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, uh, Bullmore Lanes is something that's highly successful in. Uh, in Disney world, but at the same time, you're getting things like ballast point and black crap, uh, whatever the hell that, excuse me, whatever that place is called, you know, but uh, downtown Disney is kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. So, yeah. And they have that new, that new bowling alley. Yeah. Um, I think you went there. I think you were one who told me about it. And they have like $10, $10 Sam Adams, Boston loggers. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Dude, for real. Yeah. Don't, don't, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm don't go there. Just don't go there. There's no reason to go there. Walk in, walk around, say, I like this place. I'm sorry, it's Splitsville, not Baltimore. Someone just texted me to remind me. But uh, walk around and just check it out. But buy your drinks somewhere else because alcohol at California Adventure is cheaper than alcohol at Splitsville Lanes. That's crazy to me. That's, that's insane. And it's, what, 25 bucks for like an hour? Or something like that of bowling. And I mean, the bowling alley is pretty cool. If you're there for bowling, enjoy it. I mean, bowling. The bowling. There's like every single uh, bowling area is divided into like three or four lanes only, so there's not a lot of people around you. It's probably pretty easy to throw a party there and like rent out a little area. But I mean, if you're not there to bowl, I don't see a reason to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the menu right now. So Golden Road. Their mango, uh, mango which is Budweiser, bar. yeah, exactly, owned by Budweiser. How, how, how much for a for a, a draft of that? How much do you think it would be? Ten dollars. Eleven dollars. Fourteen dollars. Your mouth. Fourteen bucks. I bet it's they a frosty have, mug they have one too. Craft beer. <laughs> one craft beer. Barley Forge's uh, Patsy. That's it. I don't even understand wow. it. Oh, I was going to say Firestone, but no, you're right. Yeah. 
That's insane. Yeah, that's a whole. That's a whole show. That's a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. that'll be that's a whole other show. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can we can talk about that later if you want during the uh, late thing. Yeah, if you want to come on the secret show, <laughs> the um, we got some <laughs> we got some good news. So, so do you think downtown Disney's shifting that hotel? That's going to blow that whole demographic wide open. I mean, do you think we'll be able to still stroll down in downtown Disney? What I like about downtown Disney is. You can go out to downtown Disney, still be in the Disney bubble, but not be in the park. It's a break. It's a break. Yeah. And, and and do you think there's going to be a break anymore, or is it just going to be you're just in a crowd from the moment you're on campus? Oh, no. I think it's definitely going to be a break still. I think you're going to be able to enjoy it and still do the things that you're used to doing. But you know what's going on right now is a lot of these contracts for a lot of these restaurants are going up, and they're trying to change it. And pretty much everything on uh, east of anything west of Disneyland Drive, it's going away. Rainforest Cafe, ESPN Zone, probably Earl of Sandwich, even, and the AMC Theater. Those are all going uh, with Downtown Disney when it goes. So you're not going to be able to stroll as far. Mm. Um, but up to the hotel, you're definitely going to be able to stroll. I have a feeling there's no reason not to. I like, I like going so, on a stroll. How are we going to get to Trader Sam's? That's the big question. That's the whole yeah. lead up. You're just going to have to walk through the hotel. They'll probably let you do it. <laughs> maybe. Dude. Probably. You're probably going to have to show an ID and like maybe a blood sample. Right. Are you, yeah. are you a guest here at the hotel? No. you got to walk all the way around there. Yeah. You think it's going to be like. That's how it was for us. For California time, uh, Grand or whatever. Yeah. Grand California. But we were able to say we were going to a restaurant. So that's all we'd have to say, sure. I guess. That and, was after 12 well, yeah. times asking if we can go through. And 110 yeah. If you're going to Trader Sam's, I'm sure you can say you're going to Trader Sam's and they'll let you through. I mean, they're no, they're not going to deny it. Unless they're like going to have so many people at Trader Sam's, they're not going to know what to do with them. They're not going to not let you to Trader Sam's. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> well, Kyle, look, I'm going to let you go real fast so we can get to, to Terrence and then we can get out of here and we can do the secret show. Uh, but I appreciate you taking the time, man, and answering some questions that we had about the impact of Star Wars Land. And not even the impact, because everyone knows the impact, but how Disney is going to be dealing with crowds with with that. It wasn't, I guess, really a complex question, but I, we had no idea. Yeah. Well, and I well I'm going to say, I mean, like, the, all the things that they're doing right now is great. They're they're expanding things. They're giving people more room in Adventureland and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be awesome when all these projects are done. It's stuff they should have been doing for years, and they probably had it planned, but they just never really had a reason to finally do it, and now they do. Yeah, so it's so, going to be great. So you're pumped. You're pumped about it. Oh, yeah, I'm totally pumped. Star Wars okay. Land is going to be awesome. Mm. There's no doubt. Yes. Well, that's true. That's true. It's massive. It's massive. It is. Uh, all right, dude. We'll let you go, and uh, you know, I'll give you a ring a little bit later. All right. I'll all right, talk to you later. All right, dude. Bye. Cool. Okay. Well, um, I feel a little bit better about it. I'll tell you that yeah. right now. I still, I'm going to miss ESPN Zone. I like that place a lot. But. Well, you would. Um, all right, Terrence. Let's talk about the people mover, please. All right. Uh, man. We're going long. All right. Picture it. Anaheim, 1954. Wait, first of all, he says, we're going, whoa, we're going along. It's a long show. And then then it's the most dramatic, like, (laughs) you want a fainting couch, too? (laughs) You got the vapors? (laughs) I do declare. Uh, The venerable Walt Disney envisions a theme park where the past will meet the future. The Old West will meet the deepest jungles of Africa, Asia, and South America, and a place where dreams can come true. Disneyland was truly a huge undertaking, and it was even more remarkable that it took one year and one day from groundbreaking to opening day to create this land. Now, everyone knows opening day of Disneyland didn't go off without a hitch. 
but did you know that the there was an entire portion of the park that all, was almost completely uh, abandoned and then postponed and was slated to open well after the remainder of the park? Now, as the story goes, construction was so far behind on Tomorrowland that Walt decided um, in October of 1954 to suspend construction indefinitely. Some projects within the park earned the most attention while other uh, other areas kind of waned, and Tomorrowland was another. He was planning to simply open the park without Tomorrowland. He would give the remainder of the park time to earn the money back, and then he would really sink his teeth into the area of the park that was trying to capture what things would be like in the distant year of 1986. Now, fortunately, or kind of unfortunately, the Imagineers and designers pressed forward with plans and did not truly uh, match that didn't match Walt Disney's vision for the area. In fact, the land was little more than leased real estate to large corporations. So you had the Kaiser Aluminum Hall of Fame, the Dutch Boy Paint Color Gallery, the <laughs> which the, sounds amazing, right? <laughs> Come and look at paint samples, right? It's kind of it's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> you have the Monsanto uh, the Monsanto Hall of Chemistry. Which wasn't even an A-ticket attraction. It was a nothing attraction. You just walk in and do it and see how chemically made products benefit your life and how <laughs> the world will be in 31 years, right? Um, and then you had the crane bathroom of the future. That was your Tomorrowland. Yeah. Now, in the, night, in, oh, go ahead. The crane. Is a it was sponsored by a company plumbing, called Crane. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We talked about it once it's earlier. It's elevated, but it's elevated bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> they had like gold. I, mean, I don't even want you to know like where my mind went. There. <laughs> it, was, it was very weird. Yeah. So huh. it was. It was kind of. It's strange. So 1959 came and there was an expansion to the, uh, of the area. It brought in the Matterhorn, which was part of Tomorrowland at that point, as well as the monorail, uh, the submarine voyage, the flying saucers, and other action uh, attractions would soon follow. Now, while these attractions, as well as a facelift of the area, were steps in the right direction, the area was still lacking something. It just wasn't futuristic enough, and Walt knew it, and he wasn't sure what to do. Well, in the early 1960s, the Imagineers began working on four separate attractions for the World's Fair that would take place in 1964 in Illinois. Uh, Walt viewed the fair as a place where he could try out new ideas and refine new technologies. Uh, He could obtain corporate funding to create new attractions, and that'll come in later. And he could test uh, the receptiveness of East Coast audiences to his most recent dream, a spacious new park in Florida. So first, they introduced uh, the audio audio animatronic uh, with uh, Walt uh, Abraham Lincoln taking center stage and great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Next, they wild guests with the inventions of man and the carousel of progress. Uh, guests were amazed at all the figures and, the, and it's a small world. Great song, by the way. Uh, but there were well, there was one more attraction that would change the way that Disneyland attractions operated. Now, Henry Ford II and Disney Imagineers worked together to create the largest exhibit at the fair, over 273,000 square feet for this one exhibit. Wow. Yeah, and it was also the most popular um, exhibit at the entire World's Fair. Now, um, Henry the Ford, Henry Ford the uh, Second, and the Disney Imagineers were the ones working on this. Walt was busy working on the Carousel of Progress, um, and they worked to create an attraction that, as Ford put it, would show off the luxury of Ford vehicles. Sounds super boring to me. Well. The- well, when you have the bathroom of the future <laughs> to compare with, it sounds yes. pretty like. In line with whatever's going on. No, I know, but think about it. So you have, it's a small world. You have the Carousel song, of Progress. Yes, great song, by the way. Carousel of Progress. You have, um, you have great, uh, you know, the Abraham Lincoln thing. And then you have, you're looking at cars. So the Imagineers <laughs> are like, that's, Voodoo. exactly, like, that's not going to work. So 
um, what they decided to do is um, take this as a challenge to figure out how they're going to do this. So first, um, Henry Ford was adamant that they had to use real Ford vehicles, and they didn't know how they were going to do that. Also, there needed to be enough vehicles on the track at any given time that you could never see the same model at the same time on the track. If you were either in a vehicle or waiting in line, they didn't want you to see the same model at all. Um, Third thing is they had to keep it cheap. Now go. Go build what we want. So I've never heard of Imagineering coming in under budget. (laughs) Never. On anything, right? Right. But they're adamant that it had to be cheap. So Imagineers, like normal, completely acted like they didn't hear that um and they went out you know because i mean look think about that these these, they made a snow-covered mountain in la yeah they're not worried about price just make it good so uh the first idea was they're going to use a bumper brake system that would bring the car into the queue stop it allow people to load and then it'll continue on its way but they realized that was terrible for a a ride that's supposed to be a high capacity ride uh, secondly, the Ford company didn't have enough models at that time to not have a single matching car in the queue. So what they did was they um, asked Ford if they could use more of one of the vehicles they wanted to showcase, which was the 1964.5 Ford Mustang. So there's 178 ride vehicles in total, and of the 178 ride vehicles, they had about 60 to 70 of these uh, these. Mustangs, the first Mustang ever. And people loved that car so much that people would actually wait in line and let people go in front of them just so that they could take this attraction in a Mustang, which made the ride the wait times up to three hours. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so the ride itself was ingenious. The cars and passengers would match speeds. Think, you know, Haunted Mansion. Uh, with a moving walkway, the cars would be propelled by a tr- uh, track chain with individually turning wheels every three feet. The ride would take you through time with Walt Disney himself as your guide. Uh, The trip began at the age of the dinosaurs, including scenes of uh, sauropods, triceratops family, and the clash between a stegosaurus and a tyrannosaurus. You would then transition into the age of man with a caveman greeting the rising sun. You would see another caveman hunting a mammoth. You would see the first ancient artist, the creation of fire, things like that. And then you'd come back to the queue. And the attraction was a hit. Everyone loved it. But it was way, way over budget. Way <laughs> over budget. Now, Disney, Walt Disney also was hoping that this would get uh, the Ford Company to strike a long-term deal to bring this attraction into the park. But Henry Ford II was not willing to do that. Even though Walt was able to secure sponsors for every other attraction, this one he couldn't. Um, the other thing is that um, Walt wanted to license or lease his, his uh, image to Henry Ford for this ride and basically have it Walt Disney presents the Ford Magic Skyway. Ford wasn't having that either. Ford was very upset it came in over budget and he actually said in front of other people as it opened, I hope you love it because it costs way more than we expected to build it. <laughs> well, hey. So there was a lot of tension already. Um, Henry Ford also saw that this, this technology and where Walt was heading with it was a direct opponent to the automobile. So the fair ended Three of the four attractions immediately found a home in Disneyland. Um, also, some of the animals from the Magic Skyway found homes in the park. The dinosaurs are part of the diorama for the railroad, uh, and the mammoth was deferred and placed in the Jungle Cruise at the back of the elephant bathing pool. But now now the imaginers are thinking, what do we do with this amazing technology? 
Well, they, they made a new Tomorrowland in 1959, but now the new Tomorrowland was starting to look like yesterday land. The area was, was really becoming a project for Walt. He wanted to make sure that it was something that people would, would love. So he decided it was time for a new, new Tomorrowland. So Walt never got to see the completion of this of this area. And when I say this, they completely destroyed Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. They tore it down from the hub all the way back to Carousel of Progress, completely torn down, wow. started building new show buildings. Um, and then there was this strange elevated track up there as well that people didn't know what was going on. So when they were complete, if you look in, you can see the rocket jets along with stor- uh, a third-story pedestal back in the center of the land, right by the Carousel Theater. Um, the old flight to the moon theater was now gone, and it was mission to Mars. But what in the world are those elevated tracks for? Well, on July 2nd, 1967, people fell out. Uh, Walt decided that he would take the genius concept from the World's Fair and incorporate it as a mobility of the future in Tomorrowland. Disney had been able to secure a corporate sponsor for the Wedway People Mover, as it would be called. Goodyear supplied genuine Goodyear tires and plenty of money to the project. Walt imagined that this was done with the Magic Skyway... um, so, I'm sorry. So um, his idea was what he was doing with the Magic Skyway was what he was going to incorporate in the place he wanted to build in Florida called Epcot. Not the theme park, but Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow right. where all of the uh, transportation on the top level, on the floor, the ground level, would be this um, basically automated, uh, automated transportation with everyone that's driving a vehicle would be underneath in tunnels. So this is what he wanted to do. Uh, he created in here. It was going to give a grand uh, tour of Tomorrowland uh, and test out whether this technology was actually feasible in the real world. And in all, the ride would take take you around Tomorrowland in 16 minutes. So gliding high above the streets of Tomorrowland was a people mover. Uh, its support beams held one of the most valuable things in this area, shade. <laughs> Think about it. There was not any shade right. in this area up to this Which, point, right? That sounds like Epcot. It, there's no shade yeah, in Epcot. No shade. Totally. So it was it was amazing. People found shade, but uh, you could also ride this ride. So aboard the attraction, the guests would stand on a moving ramp that carried them up to the second level underneath the rocket jets platform. You would then step onto a continuously moving platform that would match you to the vehicles moving at one and a half miles an hour. Once on board, the doors of the people mover would slide shut and the tilting roof would close and your ride began. After leaving the station, you're, you're, you would speed up to a whopping seven miles an hour and you would glide down the track at the center of the land. Now, just sit back and let these 517 individually driven tires take you through the th- uh, three quarters of a mile track, which is crazy to me because I thought it was way longer than that. It's not even a mile track. Um, you would first enter the show building for a venture through inner space and look down at the guests entering the mighty microscope. By 86, uh, this was Star Tours. After exiting the show building, you would get a great view of the Tomorrowland stage. Um, In in 1976, on January 5th, it closed and reopened a little bit over a year later. And now you were rerouted into a new ride called Space Mountain. And you would get a glimpse of the ride's tracks and hear some of the screams of its passengers. After exiting the mountain, you would uh, then get a glimpse of Walt's Epcot, the model that he had of what epcot would look like model the model (laughs) (laughs) you would then glide over the skyway bucket speed across autopia travel over the submarine lagoon and you would then enter the circle vision theater and get a great view of the waiting area before returning to the queue so yeah that was a ride i mean they added a super speed uh tunnel 
and they had projected images of race cars, and then in the 80s, it turned into Adventure Through the Land of Tron, but basically, that was it. That was the ride. It was just a slow ride taking you through the area. So the ride was actually fairly popular, um, but by the mid-80s and early 90s, it was no longer a prototype. People were using this in other parts of the country. Um, And honestly, the ride itself wasn't the problem. I think the problem was that no one was really paying attention to Tomorrowland anymore. So Space Mountain was there, um, but everything else was kind of stale. The submarines were gone for 10-plus years at this point. The Carousel Theater had been empty for, for 10 years. Captain EO was getting old, and it was replaced, and everything just felt out- outdated. Hold on. That's chill. Blasphemy. It is what it is. Um, I have to cut and stuff out. So also, um, also one of the problems that the People Mover was one of the deadlier attractions as well. So sorry, kids. Uh, in 67, a 17-year-old boy was killed when he was trying to jump between cars. Now, it, Hey, well, that's his own fault. Yes, I know. So, but he was jumping between cars, got caught, and was drugged for several hundred oh, feet dear. before – before a ride operator could cut it down. It reminds me of what is um, uh, National Lampoons when Chevy puts the <laughs> ties a dog to the bumper on accident yeah. kind of a thing. Because you don't think the seven miles an hour is very fast until you're trying to keep up with something going seven <laughs> miles an hour, right? right. So that's, right. And that's pro- one of the problems. Um, 72, a girl got run over because her ears fell off and she jumped out and got hit by another car. <laughs> um, in 1980... Another guy was trying to move in between, <laughs> jump between cars and got killed. So it was who does deadly. That? People who does don't that? realize how fast seven miles an hour actually also, is. Maybe they should have invested in a good restraint system. Well, not even that. Like, who just, oh, I'm on a ride. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's two miles an hour. I don't care if you can crawl faster than that. Right. Who stands up in a ride to go into another car? Well, some of these things were on, like, grad night. So you have idiot teenagers who are like, oh, there's a cute girl. I'm going to try to jump in there and holler at her. And then you're just hollering. until you People die. like to show off. Yeah. <laughs> so um, on August 21st, 1995, even though it was a very high-capacity ride, the people mover closed. And the track stayed empty for three years. Now, Michael Eisner realized that Tomorrowland was in need of another facelift, but he wasn't interested in spending a lot of money. So let's just paint everything bronze. Oh, yeah. That was a good choice. Uh, our, our favorite time. Mm-hmm, exactly. So the new, new, new Tomorrowland opened in 1998 and had a new attraction at the on the old people mover, uh, people mover tracks, the Rocket Rods. Now, to enter this ride, just find the queue right as you enter the land, enjoy the pre-show on the nine TVs showcasing some of the more whimsical ideas as to the evolution of transportation. Uh, the Tomorrowland Central Terminal, that, that's where you are, will eventually connect with uh, local areas like convention, the Convention Center and Angel Stadium. That's what they would say on the TVs. These things are going to go out of the park and can connect with other things eventually. Really? But for now, mm-hmm. just enjoy a, a fast ride around Tomorrowland. Right, right. So um, when they already had the monorail, when they already had the they monorail, they could connect to other things. Exactly, exactly. They yeah, were right. they were dreaming. So you remember, it took um, it took sixteen minutes on the original ride to make it all the way around Tomorrowland, uh, and it was a high capacity ride because it was constantly moving. Well, with this one, you're going to get up to your stationary car that pulls up to meet you. It's not high capacity anymore because it has a weird one 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 two seating arrangement. This is a rocket rod, so one person in the front. And the person behind them, person behind them, two people in the back. Okay. So you went from like eight or nine people per car down to five. Uh, and now you're going to buckle up. So you look forward and you realize that you're about to be in a drag race. You hear your high-pitched engine. It was an onboard computer making the noise. Um, you hear it rev up and you wait for the light to go from red to yellow to green. 
the fake tire squeal and you're off. <laughs> you even pop a wheelie at first. So when it first opened, you would pop a wheelie at that point and you would take off. Now you realize that you're going about 35 miles an hour right now, but you're heading straight at the Astro Orbiter. That so, actually sounds terrifying. Right? So you're speeding towards this thing. Now, this is Disneyland. So what's going to happen is you're going to speed as fast as you can, make a crazy turn to the left, and go into the Star Tours building. But why are we stopping? <laughs> because, because you're slowing down at this point. So you almost get to the Astro Orbiter, and you hit the brakes, and you make a slow left-hand turn and kind of speed up a little bit and go into the Star Tours building. And every time you have a straightaway on this entire ride – you would slow down at the end of it, almost to a crawl, and go into another building. Because Michael Eisner was adamant that he didn't want to put money into this. Now, at this time, Disneyland Paris was still hem- – oh, sorry, Euro Disney at this time was hemorrhaging money. Hemorrhaging money. He wasn't going to invest in parks. And so they said, you know what? If you want this ride to happen, you have to find a sponsor to help pay for this. And they couldn't find a sponsor. So because of that, you have these heavy vehicles constantly braking, accelerating, braking, and accelerating on these old tracks, and things didn't go well. So a month after the ride opened, it uh, it closed for some minor repairs. It was slated to open a month later. It was closed for three months. Now, it was constantly broken down, and the low capacity made made the lines at least two hours all the time. So on September 20th, now, if you're keeping score, this is a little bit after two years after it opens. On September 25th, 2000, the rocket rods were closed and a sign was posted that said that an extensive refurbishment would have the attraction reopened by spring 2001. And on April 28, uh, 2001, the park's president, Cynthia Harris, admitted to the New York Times that it would never reopen. The track was starting to buckle. Yeah. It was b- literally breaking the tracks. Now, people I've asked... What they could do, this is how it could return. People say you remake Tomorrowland into a retro future like they did originally. Um, you make Autopia into electric vehicles. You do something maybe with a trackless vehicle with Autopia. Do something so that a, a people mover ride in the park actually makes sense. Yeah, it's never going to reopen. <laughs> You'll never, well, ever not, see this back. It seems like OSHA would never let it. And that's okay. So that's one of the problems. So, one problem is that um, you have to, for ADA, you have to have um, access at certain points along the track to be able to help people. And it was grandfathered in originally, it was yeah. grandfathered into that because it was open for so long. Sure. But now it's been closed for so long, you can't grandfather it in anymore. You'd have to completely change the tracks hmm. in order to make it uh, OSHA. OSHA, so ADA and OSHA, you have to completely tra- change the tracks. Uh, the other thing is, and I, I mean this, Michael Eisner killed this ride. <laughs> the fact that he was not willing to put money in means, meant that they couldn't do what they were trying to do. At this time, Walt Disney World had a test track, and they were trying to do that. So think basically what we have with Radiator Spring, with uh, Ridgeway Racers. Uh, it's the same <laughs> kind you. of thing. You're welcome. Same kind of thing where you have um, – you're, you're coming full speed, but you have bank tracks. Now, if you have no money to put into this, you're trying to run something at 35 miles an hour, and you don't have bank tracks, so it's going to break hard. And they were seeing, literally seeing the tracks begin to buckle. Why not slow the ride down then? Because yeah. it's, because they were trying to get an e-tick, another e-ticket ride, something in there that wasn't just going to be another slow ride. They were trying to tick too many boxes with this ride. Basically, I agree with you. Basically, that's what they're trying to do. So um, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see it come back. Um, also, you'll never see the tracks removed. 
you'll never see the tracks removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they rebuilt Tomorrowland at that time, they literally built the tracks into the buildings. And a lot of part- portions of the tracks are actually support for the buildings. Another problem they had um, is that they congested all of the traffic into Tomorrowland. Think about it now. You have the big rock formation mm-hmm. right there when you walk in. Yeah. You have the Astro Orbiter immediately when you walk in. The only way in is to the right. Most people completely missed the queue. The queue for for Rocket Rods was immediately to the left. It's where Buzz Lightyear is now. Hmm. But it was further into the line. So they completely screwed this up. Um, they destroyed the tracks. You can't even do anything. The tracks aren't even fit to support anything anymore. So uh, the history of the people mover is just that. It'll always be the history of the people mover. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, and I'm torn. I mean, I love the ride, but Dude, it will never come back. Go to Disney World and ride that ride. Yeah. It's it's cool. It's not amazing, but it's one of those chill rides. Yeah. That you. It's like Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Well, I shouldn't say that. that's an insult to a little bit people better. mover. It's better than Winnie, <laughs> it's better than Winnie the Pooh, but it's it's like Winnie the Pooh in that. There's never, at least when we went, there's never anybody waiting. You yeah. literally walk right on, mm-hmm. and you can kind of hang out, and you check the park out, which I guess it's not like Winnie the Pooh, but it's like the train, I guess. How about that? Yeah. And yeah. it was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I really we enjoyed it. Up, yeah, we were able to do it twice in a row, because there's no line. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd rather see I'd rather see them invest the money that they put into Guardians of the Galaxy overlay and the Frozen musical, and... Do the people mover again, even though it wouldn't even nearly pay for it. You'd have to literally close Tomorrowland to do that. Because Man, of the- who can we get? Let's, you know, here's what you need to do. I'm going I'm to text my, my boy Elon. Get Tesla <laughs> to sponsor that, to redo it, to put it throughout the park, and you're just riding in little te- Tesla Roadsters. <laughs> yeah. You wish. I, I do. Trackless technology for the people mover would be fun, too. I think it would be a little bit scary to be that, that would be high terrifying. Up. And that's kind of the point. That would be a draw for people. But you could get Tesla then. Yeah. To I, do it. I'll tweet him. I'll tweet him. <laughs> Good job, Terrence. Let's do some news real fast and let's get out of here. We're running a little late, but uh, I don't know. There's a, a few important things I wanted to talk about. Um, one is uh, Disneyland will replace the popular Ariel's Grotto and Cove Bar. With a new water view lounge. Now, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to happen, um, but this was from the 22nd. They announced on the 22nd that it will replace the now closed Cove Bar and Ariel's Grotto. That, they were closed as part, of, I think, that picked the Pixar Pier revamp or whatever. But I just thought they were revamping the Cove Bar. I didn't know that they Me were going to turn it into something completely different. Yeah, I don't understand why. It's called uh, the Lamplight Lounge. That sounds cool. Great. Sounds very Pixar. You know what? I think Pixar. I think lamplight. Oh right, because of the eye, the lamp. The lamp jumps on the eye. Yeah, he has a Pixar. name though. But like, why not call it by its name, oh. Lampy or whatever the hell his name is? Um, <laughs> the, the new family lounge will occupy both stories of the original two-story building, which formerly housed Ariel's Grotto. Disney fans and observers have been speculating for some time that the new venue uh, uh, would combine both. Ariel's Grotto and Cove Bar into one new spot. Uh, the Disney blog said that the new lounge will open on June 23rd, along with the rest of the Pixar renovation at Disney California Adventure. That also includes rethemed attractions divided into four new districts highlighting Pixar movies. Here's where it gets stupid. 
Uh, this is a quote from the uh, Disney blog. Lamplight Lounge will serve California casual gastropub cuisine. Your that favorite. Is, that is playfully presented along with unique signature cocktails. There's nothing that I, that I hate more than... The word gastropub? The word gastropub. <laughs> I knew it. First of all, gastropub in and of itself is stupid. Because it's just, it means like higher, it means like fancy pub fare. It means expensive. Yeah. The, like the word but, bistro. But to put the word casual in front of it, what? It makes no sense. It, it literally makes no sense. There's no such thing as casual gastro. First of all, nobody in California anymore. We've realized that we've gone through the phase of gastropub that is no nothing is called a gastropub anymore. If it's called a gastropub, it was opened at least five years ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. That's not a thing. It's so irrelevant. Um, but, you know, this sentence makes it sound like we have a um, some sort of like community of ga- like-minded gastropub people who this is what we're known for. We're known for California casual gastropub cuisine, and it's it, it's not even a thing, and it makes me mad. <laughs> I'm just envisioning their menu to be like expensive burgers with avocado on them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, deconstructed. Things will be... I, I guarantee you things will be deconstructed. Oh, gosh, you are so heated also, right now. I also, am. Yeah. Also foam. foam. Yeah, foam. Yeah. Oh, my God. If something gets served with me... Um, de- yeah, deconstructed fish and chips Throw where it's just face. cod and then fried flour. There you go. I don't know. Or everything will just be piled delicious. on top of its... Yeah, like, it's going to be, dude, whatever. It's fine. At night, uh, outdoor seating provides views of the illuminated Pixar Pier and World of Color. And apparently it will be keeping the lobster nachos, which is Terrence's favorite food in the Delicious. history of the world. Uh, the new lounge will feature the creativity, inspirations, and personalities of the artists and storytellers who have brought Pixar stories to life. According to the blog spot, by decorating with concept art, napkin sketches, and collectible toys. That's cool, but nobody cares about the personalities of the artists. Like, no one cares about that. Nobody cares about it. <laughs> nobody cares about it. But I like the concept art and uh, the toy stuff there. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's it's a thing. There you go. I don't know. Hopefully, it'll just draw people away from uh, a Carthay. That'd be cool. That'd be cool, but uh, I don't see it happening. Um, we don't like to talk a whole lot about rumors here, but this is a good uh, this is a good rumor that Kyle kind of alluded to. Um, this is from WDW News today, um, and of course, it goes with the uh, Disneyland Resort raising uh, ticket prices, the annual pri- annual pass price by eighteen percent. So rude. Uh, which, yeah. So I guess we've been kind of dancing around the whole time. I don't know. I hate it. It's it's priced Taryn and I out of our annual passes. So now we're we're we will not we have not renewed. We are officially yeah. passless. Um, and I take it very personally. Yeah, they they. <laughs> I'm like actually really upset. And me too. I actually had a hard time wanting to do this show tonight because yeah, me too. We're now promoting a thing that I'm really upset with. <laughs> I'm upset with him. I can't. We can't afford. The annual pass, which we really kind of we hemmed and hawed already at the mm-hmm. price we balked at the price. Yeah, um, we probably weren't going to renew this year anyway because of the kid. We're not going to be going at all, really, this year probably. Um, 
but we were thinking about it next well, year. Well, yeah, and I was I was planning on trying to convince you that it would make sense <laughs> because the kid's free, and and now yeah. I, I don't have a leg to stand on. Eighteen percent is, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's at that point it's too much. It's too much for me um, to do it, and 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 I guess I just don't understand why. I, I, I still don't understand why. I mean, after talking to Kyle, sorry, but that's okay. after talking to Kyle, I guess it makes a little more sense that they are trying to pat. They're trying to price out. The middle, which is us, which yeah. is that yeah. deluxe pass. We're the middle people. They're trying to price us out, man. Yeah, but we didn't get raised the most. Yeah, we did. I thought we. I thought the other one went up by a thousand. No, am I exaggerating? Am I? Yeah, I, I would think you'd be. I, I think you're exaggerating. I think you're dreaming. Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe I am dreaming and drinking. Or maybe it went up to a thousand. Maybe. I think that's my possible. Point. That anyway, that's not my point. That's not what I was going to say. Um, well, it's a good thing you made it. Yeah, I know. I am smart. Um, I feel like it's now priced more than it's valued like i'm not willing to pay i don't get enough out of it Mm -hmm. to pay that much uh yes exactly right exactly right and what i understand is they have a habit of 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 making these price increases when there's tons of things closed park is closed pixar pier Mm -hmm. closed that's closed cove bar closed Main Street is a disaster. Yeah, yeah, you were just there recently. It may anyway that that makes no sense. And to be honest, after this whole thing kind of hit the fan, I was like, I kind of wish we didn't have a Disney pod. Like I was really depressed about it. Not yeah. really depressed. Well, because we have a podcast angry. about a thing we don't go to. We can't afford <laughs> we don't do. a go to. We can't. You afford guys should it. really go enjoy this thing that we can't do. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's it's it feels awkward. Like <laughs> a little bit. Should we start a GoFundMe? <laughs> God, I feel like we're in like a fight with like a family member, and like I don't really know how to reconcile it. Yeah, you should go to Thanksgiving, but I ain't going to Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm good on uh, that. So and so's there. I just, I mean, I think exactly. it'll be fine. But I, you know, honestly, I was like, let's do a Knott's Berry Farm podcast because I, I don't. I mean, no, I know, but this this was me just working through my trauma, right? Because Matt said we should do a Wally World uh, podcast. <laughs> I just eighteen percent. While ultimately it's not that much, it is that much. It 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 has priced us out, mm-hmm. and um, and that's what I don't like. I feel like we've been doing the show for over four years. You'd think that we w- we wouldn't get priced out of the thing that we are 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 talking about and enjoy. We really enjoy Disneyland. So yeah, I, I don't know. We're not going to change the show. We'll still do it. It will still get over it. It'll be fine. Yeah. But it just kind of stinks. Yeah. It kind of stinks. And I th- I know there are a lot of other people who, who feel yeah. the same way. Maybe we'll get to go once um, a year now instead mm-hmm. of three or four times a year. And, and, and that's what I don't. That's what I don't understand. It's it's like what Kyle was saying. Well, the the people in the mid tier don't spend. We spend a ton of money. Yeah, Carthay yeah, cost me like three hundred bucks every trip. Yeah. yeah, we spend a ton of money there. But now the amount of money that we would spend on our passes, we can go maybe maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a timestamp for this so that we can come back to this in like eight months when you hey, guys have if, passes. If, if, if we get, if we get <laughs> no. raises, yeah. But right now yeah. we Literally, can't afford it. Like this is different than the last time. Like. This is two hundred dollars more a year mm-hmm. for us. We're not doing it. Not right now. I can't. We can't. Yeah. I mean, I literally just can't. Like that's too much. Yeah. I so. just the value, unfortunately, is and and that's why I'm so upset about it because I didn't think that they could price me out and they they won and yeah. and I feel like I feel betrayed. <laughs> I do too. And and look, Star Wars Land will be great. That'll be cool. 
But I didn't even want to go for the first year anyway because it's going to be crazy. It's mm-hmm. going to be insane. There's nothing at Disneyland that's going to make me go. I've seen it all. Yeah. And I kind of just maybe I'm maybe we're ready for a break until until you know our professional lives progress a little more. We can afford it again. But right yeah. now, I feel like a lot of other families in the country where we can't afford time, it. Is it worth what they're trying to charge? How, like, I, I feel like they've yeah. hit that ceiling where can they really charge more? Like, are they providing that much value? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's case by case basis. And man. I just looked back. My first annual pass was in 2013. It was four hundred and ninety nine dollars yeah, a year. Those mm-hmm. good days. Now it is seven hundred and twenty nine dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I almost said something very inappropriate. <laughs> Five years. <laughs> Anyway, I, I I wanted to bring it up just to let everybody know that we're thinking about it. We're just as frustrated as you guys probably are. Uh, I mean, well, some of you have written in uh, and we've talked to you about it. It, it, it is annoying. It's frustrating. It's sad. It's upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, especially because it. it makes you. I mean, and then they announce that they're going to spend two billion dollars to refurb Disney Paris. It's like, well, that's where our. All right, there you go. That's where your two hundred dollars a year is going. Yeah. Well, and you can afford to go to Disney Paris. They also raised it. It would be cheaper to go to Disney Paris for both of us and come back, tickets included and airfare and everything, than annual passes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and... I made that up. I don't know. Well, yeah. But part of what I think upsets me also is that they raised it 18%, and then we all know they're going to raise it again. Before Star Wars Land opens. Oh, yeah. oh for I sure. I mean, maybe twice. Who knows? They can do whatever they want. They typically do <laughs> what, one or two price raises a year. Yeah. It's just where this is the way it goes. Uh, anyway, so uh, this report, uh, these are, are rumors about how the uh, they're going to maybe possibly revamp the annual pass uh, to deal with... Uh, to deal with all this thing. Um, first, they're saying the rumor of a revamp of the blockout calendar. A similar concept is being introduced in Tokyo Disneyland in an effort to provide some surely needed relief during the debut, excuse me, God, of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. There will be days in 2019 that pass holders will be blocked out of Disneyland Park but can still enter DCA. These additional Disneyland-only blockout dates will be the majority of the changes on the calendar. In addition, there will also be an expanded number of days that AP holders will be blocked out of both Disneyland and DCA. So they raise your... And this is a rumor, but if it's true, they raise your prices and then they take days away from you. Hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it either. The second rumor uh, is the possibility that Disney will be blocking out access to Star Wars... Land, because I hate the new name, Star Wars, Folkholm, Galaxy's Edge, to Deluxe and SoCal pass holders for the entire first summer of operation, which I didn't care about. I'm, because I'm it's, not even trying to go near that no. place. No. <laughs> no. It's expected that Signature, Signature Plus, and Premier pass holders will be able to gain access to the land during the first summer. Furthermore, to go along with the rumor changes, the attractions inside Star Wars Land will be Max Pass exclusive attractions. They will not have a traditional fast pass option. This would mean that annual pass holders who are actually able to access the land may have to add max pass to their annual pass or else be relegated to the standby queue for attraction. There is literally Disney is literally creating a cast system for their rides. Yeah. <laughs> right. And again, taking things away. But it's not like they didn't have a, a cast system before. That's why they had the A through E tickets. 
It's always it's been like that before. I, I But not to get into a land, not to get into a, a part of the park. I, I know. I don't like I said before, I don't think that we're gonna fill fill this. Not just because of the not past thing. I don't wanna be in Disneyland for the first two years that Star Wars land no. is open. No. I wanna uh, talk yeah. about this on I'm the sure. secret show so I can swear. No, we're going to. Don't worry about it. Um, from what we have been told, the park specific blockout calendar is very likely going to happen. So I don't know. That's rumors. Um, and then here's a good, a feel-good story. Um, it's from the New York Times. Y'all can 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 find it and read it. Apparently, there's a lot of people at Disneyland who live in their cars because the Disneyland doesn't pay them enough. Really? Yeah. So apparently, uh, let me see. Um, when do we get the, to the feel-good? <laughs> hey, we, we said this was going to not be the, the happiest show. <laughs> the cost of living is a particular challenge in Orange County where a single adult would need to make about thirty three grand a year to meet a basic monthly budget. A Sacramento uh, think tank called the California Budget and Policy Center says roughly 38% of the county's one and a half million workers earn less than that. Um, about 85% of the 17,000 Disneyland employees who are part of a union Make less than fifteen dollars an hour. Current minimum wage in California is ten fifty, and it's supposed to reach fifteen by twenty twenty, or excuse me, twenty twenty two. California now has the highest rate of poverty in the country, twenty point six percent, when accounting for taxes, household, and medical costs. Um, blah blah blah. Here we go. Uh, according to a survey of thousands of low wage employees at Disneyland, nearly three quarters of workers who responded said they do not earn enough money to pay for their basic monthly expenses, and one in ten said they had been homeless in the past two years. Wow. The survey and analysis were conducted by Occidental College and the Economic Roundtable, a group that has long supported raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, uh, blah, blah, blah. The survey was sent to about 17,000 workers in the park who are represented by labor unions. So So what what are they doing? What are the unions doing, right? Um, Not what they're supposed to. And was completed by about 30% of them. So of of the 17,000 workers who were surveyed, 30% did the survey, including both full-time and part-time employees. The responses account for about 17% of the park's overall workforce. A spokeswoman for Disney said that the survey was, quote, inaccurate and unscientific. Of course it was. And produced by politically motivated labor unions. Uh, this is still a quote. The results are deliberately distorted and do not reflect how over, how the overwhelming majority of our 30,000 cast members feel about the company. Well, yeah, overwhelming majority. This is 17% of the people. Yes, you're right. Um, spokeswoman Lisa Haynes said in a statement, she added that most employees make above minimum wage. Yes, again, most do. Mm-hmm. 17% can't afford to feed themselves. Right. Uh, with entry-level roles between 11 and 17.75 an hour. Uh, we're proud of our record as a quality employer, uh, blah, blah, uh, blah. And then there's a couple stories about some people who they literally sleep in the car at night and then they go to like a Starbucks in the morning and brush their teeth and get to work early so that maybe they can take a shower and that's it. And, you know, they're young people, they're kids, they're whatever. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, this gal, Miss Bertola, uh, she slept for months on a relative's couch, more than an hour away from the park. She began looking for a place of her own, but she could not find even a room she could afford. Uh, 
she said. So night after night, she rolled up her windows and slept in the employee parking lot. A couple of times, the security officer approached her saying, get it together and leave. This went on for two months. Anyway, um, there is there was another like thing that I wanted to do, 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 do. Well, and I bet that these people want to work for Disney. Otherwise, yes. they'd go somewhere else. And that's the worst part is like they actually like they want to work there and they're just getting and that's smashed. And that's part of the story. And I recommend you guys check it out. And, and, and because they're they're tied to Disney in one way or another. And normally when we uh, read a story like this, I would be like, just quit. Get yeah. a better job. You can totally get a better job. But when it comes on the back, that story comes on the back of an 18% increase on my annual pass, yep. and you want to mm-hmm. take stuff away, and you, you you rose prices, and you're doing all this stuff, and you have employees sleeping in parking lots. And you're telling them to get it together. Right. Well, yeah, this is security. Like, get out. <laughs> it. Uh, I, I, I would be ashamed as an employer if I found out that one of my employees, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the circumstances. I've definitely mm-hmm. like, changed my view on this kind of thing. Like, they want to work for your company. Yeah. Why? Why aren't you helping them out? Why aren't you? And, and maybe they are, and maybe this is skewed. I don't know. But that, coupled with the price increases, made me kind of go. It feels I don't, dirty. I feel weird right now. I feel weird as a Disney fan. I feel real weird. Yeah, that's not the first time that's happened. That's true. <laughs> um. Okay, that's it. Let's 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 get out of here, okay? Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Of course I don't have my show outro because I've still all jacked <laughs> up, man. I don't know. Talk amongst yourself. I wonder what could tie you to working at Disneyland to the point where you would live in your car. Because you're the same kind of person who's a struggling waitress. Because you're trying to be an actress. And and you're trying just, to move okay. up you're in trying the company. To move up. And that's the way, you, when you go for, you know, I have, we interviewed Steve. So when he goes for, um, when he goes for interviews or he goes for jobs and he goes for acting gigs, if you have Disney, Disney. okay, I get it. On there, it means so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. So it's, and so for some people, it would be worth it. And also, I don't know a, you hear, for all the feel good stories that you hear about a person who is the the CEO of a company who hears that his employee is doing poorly and they help him out for every one of those that you hear you have a billion that you that never happened because no one knows right. and so I completely agree with you, but every corporation in the world runs this way. Oh, no, every for sure. Every single one runs this way. But I don't feel good about buying I, a Windows machine. You know what I mean? I feel I good about buying stuff from Disneyland. I'm supposed yeah. to feel good about it, and that's the brand. And I guess I would feel uh, much better about the price increases if they would just go, you know what? I know that we're supposed to pay, or the minimum wage yeah. is ten fifty. But I'm going to get pay everybody twelve dollars. Yeah, just that's that's the entry level into here. Treat it like in and out. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. I would feel much better about it because that's why I want to be doing this stuff. That's why I want to be going because I want I want to na- now that I know that a lot of these people are unhappy and they don't they can't even afford mm-hmm. to uh, live in the area, yeah. much less have their own house. That would that that now hurts my feelings. So when I waiting for cars ride or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's this twenty two year old kid trying to load me in my big fat you know gut into the car ride, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Where's this kid sleeping? It, it 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 humanizes the park in a way that I didn't expect, and I 
don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Every single person I know that has worked for Disney says you don't want to know what's going on behind the, the curtain. Yeah. Every single one of them. So. Anyway, sorry, everybody. <laughs> sorry, these this are things, isn't a secret show. Sorry. But you know what? Hey, man, these are things that we think about. We're, we're yeah. human beings, and we care about other people, and uh, we care about the park. And, you know, as as we've done it before, uh, we've said it before on the show, like we're going to we talk about good stuff and bad stuff. And um, we just have conversations that are in the collective mind right now. And this is a, a relevant story. Anyway, um, here's a cool fact of the show. Beginning in 1958, Disneyland held an annual kids amateur dog show. One day each spring for about 10 years. Dogs were judged in various categories like largest, smallest, and shaggiest. Okay. There you go. I like that. I kind of right. like it, yeah, too. I like that. I don't know why. Never heard about it. <laughs> It'd be cute. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Thank you to Jeremy for coming in and doing whatever he did about some fountain or something. Thank you very much to Kyle for coming on and doing whatever he did about Star Wars land or something. And uh, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Listen to this show. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to record the secret show for our Patreon folks in February. So if you want to figure out what we're going to say after that, i got a whole bunch of news for that, too. Some good stuff, too. Some grade-A material. Uh, so become a patron uh, for uh, that secret show, John. It's only five bucks a month. Five bucks. And you can get all the secret shows. You can make a drink with us and hang out with us and be our friends. Anyway, until next time, everyone, we will see you in the parks. <laughs>